Yeah, I've read with her before, and uh, following her in a reading is just brutal because she's so animated and she speaks so well that you know when when I talk, I just feel like I'm the most boring person in the world. So, yeah. and then I set myself up to do the same thing with this podcast. I'm not a very smart guy. Uh, on the contrary, I've, I've, re- I've, I've read a lot of your stuff. And one, you're smart. Two, you're funny. And then three, you you you, you pretty much hit the you've pretty much put the bill for us. So. I'll I mean, he it. did agree to be on this show, so I don't know what exactly that says about his intelligence, but I mean, I'm going to take it. I mean, also, we run this show, so what does that say about our intelligence? I, mm, <laughs> what have I ever been complimentary to us on this show? Absolutely you, never. Maybe. <laughs> Ab- absolutely never. Um, by the way, the rule is, if you want to have a drink, have a drink. If you want to swear, swear. Like, we have an explicit rating on the podcast for a reason, so. We try and keep just like this much below a Martin Scorsese film, but that's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking coffee right now because there's some things I have to take care of, but otherwise I'd probably be having a glass or two of bourbon. Um, I have but... tea, but I might switch it a little bit. Because <laughs> we're consummate, consummate professionals. Um, shifty eyes, shifty eyes. But... Yeah. Uh, shall we get started? Let's get started. Great. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Dark Waters, a literary podcast focused on dark fiction and those who love to read and write it. I'm Kirsten, here as always with Nathan. Hi, everybody. And we are so happy to introduce our guest today, J.B. Stevens. Hi, everybody. So J.B. Stevens lives in the southeastern United States with his wife, daughter, and Yorkshire Terrier. His short story collection, A Therapeutic Death, is a February 2022 release from Shotgun Honey. His work in crime fiction is widely lauded. He's published with dozens of websites, magazines, and anthologies. He was a finalist for the Claymore Award and won Mystery Tribune's inaugural microfiction contest. In addition to fiction, J.B. is a poet. His verse focuses on returning from war and pop culture. His war poetry was a finalist for the Colonel Darren L. Wright Award. His comedy poetry was nominated for the Pushcart Prize. His war poetry led him to be Lit Reactor's featured National Poetry Month writer. The Best of America Cannot Be Seen, his pop comedy collection, was a summer 2021 release with Alien Buddha Press. As a reviewer and interviewer, he works for St. Martin's slash Criminal Element. His critiques are widely cited, and he is a quote-unquote must-contact for numerous literary publicists. Before his writing career, J.B. was a United States Army infantry officer. He was honorably discharged as a captain. He is a veteran of the Iraq War and earned numerous awards, including a Bronze Star. Prior to the war, he was an undefeated mixed martial arts fighter. He earned a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and was the longtime manager of Alliance, the world championship, the world champion jiu-jitsu team. JB graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology from the Citadel and a master's degree in management from Troy State University. He is currently a chief deputy United States Marshal. He spends far too much time online. Please go to his website, jbstevens.com, and join his newsletter. <laughs> and we'll link to all of that in the show notes as well. But that is a hell of a resume. <laughs> and his Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I gave you, I gave you the I gave you the options. I think I sent you the, the big one, the medium, and the small. I see you I, went with the big. Yeah, I I we we like to we like to praise our guests as much as possible. And I like the long bio just because one, like it's an absolutely fascinating no, no, no. CV. We don't shortchange you. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's a, it's an impressive CV too. Um, and I wanted to actually talk about your reviewer uh, side of things as well. So I wanted to mention that as well um, because I like your reviews and I feel like that's also something that I, that we normally don't get on this podcast where we see a lot of writers, but we don't see a lot of reviewers. So I wanted to talk to you about that. So I kind of had to mention it. Uh, but is there anything else that the audience should know before we get started? No, I don't think so. I think I think you covered it. Thank you. Positively, absolutely. Um, so, 
before we get started about talking about a therapeutic death, and then also you wanted to also promote uh, This Will Not End Well, um, the book that you uh, send out to promote your reading list, uh, we wanted to talk about those, but then we also want to get to know you a bit better as a writer and reader. So because this is what we do, what do you normally classify under the header of quote unquote dark fiction? Why do you love it? What are you specifically looking for when you're looking for a new book in that genre? Uh, I think dark fiction is, is stories that examine the, the things that normal polite society wants to keep under wraps. Um, you know, d dark fiction doesn't necessarily mean murder or, or crime or horror. It's, it's, it's all the things that uh, you're not gonna talk about if you're at the, the country club sitting across from the congressman. It's what you talk about you know, in a bar after a couple drinks. That, that, that's what dark fiction is. Uh, like this, like the underbelly that doesn't necessarily have to be anything super far-fetched or, str or stranger than fiction, but just that dark reality that people sometimes don't wanna deal with, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that very well describes it. And then, what are you looking for when you're trying to find something new in that genre, or have you gotten to the point where you're able, like, you have things more sent to you rather than you like actually go out and seek it? Um, so I, I have authors that I love, and then I do have a lot of publicists that just send me things. Uh, I just get books in the mail constantly. <laughs> uh, so, like, yeah, I come home and my my wife, she'll, but but I still buy books as well. So my wife will, will, you know, be like, did you buy this or is this one free? So uh, I, I do still buy a lot of books. Um, I buy books from my friends uh, to support their, their writing careers and, and everybody listening, anybody that you want to support, make sure you, you buy their books and you write a review. The, the Amazon and good re reviews are a super big deal. Um, <clears throat> so I buy my friends books. Uh, and then I, I have certain authors who I absolutely love, like, like Joe Lansdale and, and Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor is actually holding up my phone right now. One of her books is. Yes, so amazing. Yeah, yeah I'm, 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 I'm not exaggerating. Let's see here. All right. Go, go oh, you have, the complete, you, have, you have the complete yeah. stories. Yes. So that's that's what's holding up my phone. Um, Fantastic. So, yeah, I'm from Georgia and I like dark fiction. I have a choice. Um, so, so yeah, you, you know, you, you, want, you want to hit the classics. Um, and then, then I like to look for new for new authors, uh, Michael Ferris Smith, he's a new author, but he's a new generation author. He's amazing. Um, I, I like things with, with Southern themes, uh, Southeastern United States. Uh, I also like things with international themes, um, you know, Europe, uh, South America. My wife's from Brazil. Uh, I don't, there's not enough Brazilian noir out there. I'm actually trying to write some. So I, I, I have certain themes that I, I enjoy. Um, and then I have certain authors that I love uh, and I'm fortunate in that I'm to the point now where I can reach out to people and I can say, oh, you know, I love your stuff. You know, who do you recommend? Or uh, publicists will, will reach out to me. Um, for example, Walter Mosley and uh, Sean Co S.A. Cosby share a publicist. And she reached out to me and she was like, oh, hey, you know, you, you just did the, the, the Mosley book for Criminal Element. Do you want to uh, read Sean Cosby's new book? And I was like, well, yeah, of course I want to read that. Why is that even a question? No, send it right now. <laughs> yeah, so so she sent me one. And then this is, once the author gets really big, they send uh, hard copies. So like uh, Cosby, they sent a soft a soft cover arc. And then after I did the review uh, to say thank you, they sent me a hard copy. So I had two copies. Um, 
but David Joy, he's was established enough that uh, when I when I did when these mountain burn when these mountains burn, they sent me a hard copy for the advanced reader copy, which was super cool. Uh, and the same thing with Don Winslow, uh, they sent me he sent me a hard copy uh, of his of his advanced reader copy. So yeah, there's certain authors I like, certain themes I like. Um, I you know I, I just mentioned Don Winslow and and. I tend to like uh, a bit narrower focus on one, one or two specific main characters. Uh, just a, just a personal taste thing. Uh, Winslow, he he has much more of the ensemble casts um, as opposed to like Cosby, uh, who usually has one or two uh, main characters that kind of drive the story forward. Um, so you know, I I love things like that. I just read uh, 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 Chris Offit's book Country Dark, and that was another uh, single single main character southern focus noir so yeah i really like that one as well so i got off on a tangent a little bit um i i i buy tons of books i have tons of books sent to me um i like old stuff i like new stuff uh one of the ways that i like to find new books is i go look through the edgar awards and i go look at the old uh people that didn't win the awards and i try to read a lot of their books so yeah okay and by by all by all means, go on tangents. We love tangents on this show. They're um, very much encouraged. Yes. Um, they're actually part of the uh, the bingo game that uh, Kirsten was kind enough to design, a.k.a. the dark waters drinking game. Uh, so <laughs> every fifth tangent, someone takes a break. Every fifth uh, tangent. <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting. So why, so kind of a side question, why go through the ones that didn't win for the Edgar Awards? Is it because like they're probably going to be like the next up-and-comers or... Is there a particular reason why, like, you focus on the ones that didn't win? No, I read the ones that win too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Even it out. The, the ones, the ones that win, always get all the all the all the press. So I probably already read most of them. Mm. So I go to the ones that didn't win uh, from you know like the '80s and '90s, and 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 then you know I see kind of what's out there that's really good that I might have missed. But you know sometimes even the winners kind of stink. Uh, there's one by, by Eric Ambler called uh, "I'm Allowed to Cuss." I forgot. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, they fucking suck. Um, <laughs> Eric, Eric Ambler, he wrote a book called uh, something in the light. It was it was absolutely horrible. It won the Edgar and I read it and I was like, what is this absolute trash? Um, so, yeah, there, there's 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 books that suck that do really well uh, critically. And I don't understand why. Um, but then there's others that 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 like uh, Mar- Margaret Miller's Beast in View. Nobody seems to even remember this book It's very old. But oh my god, it's so good! It's short, it's it's punchy, it's it's just awesome. Uh, and and you know, so the farther back you go, the less you may have heard of things. But that's that's for the the long stuff. For the short stuff, uh, they usually have an anthology of like the best stories, um, the best Edgar stories, the best whatever. So I like to read those as well. Yeah, excellent. It's like I just. Cool. I love always figuring out like how people like kind of come to the conclusion to read certain things that they, that they read. Um, but kind of on that. So following on from that, what's the last book you read that left you heartbroken in pieces or had you keep all the lights on in the house for an indefinite period of time? Um, I don't read a lot of horror, but I read uh, John Horner Jacobs lush and seething hell. And I, I don't well, read that, that came up on my uh, like, recommended for you books i've been meaning to check it out it's it's why it's something else it's wild uh it, it, it's two novellas and um there's one that's about uh, uh south america and and uh a colombian artist and then there's one about uh the southeastern united states 
and a guy who's trying to determine uh, the source of like a haunted song. And that 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 Ooh. one with the haunted song uh, called Stagger Lee was the name of the song. Um, it won that one. That one got me getting goosebumps. That one really got me pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, I, I and then uh, yeah, that was that was the last very dark one that I read that really got me going. I've read a couple books since then, but that one really got me good. Okay. Wow. Love that. Um, on the opposite side of that, uh, what's the last book you read that left you with a positive impression of the world? Um, yeah, I, I read, uh, I just read CJ Box's new one, Shadows Real, uh, or Shadow Real. I don't know if there's an S in it. I don't know. Um, and that, that one was really good. I don't know if you read a lot of CJ Box, but he, he tends to be a little bit more like family focused and all that. And, and I mean, it's dark and there's some very dark themes, uh, but the ending, everything wraps up and then the good guys win and the bad guys lose. So that one, that one was pleasant. Interesting. Okay. I, I just read a Mark Cameron one too, uh, Bone Rattle. It's a uh, Mark Cameron's a thriller author, but he writes uh, he writes uh, some, he's a U.S. Marshal as well. He writes some uh, some crime stuff, and he wrote one about uh, a marshal up in Alaska. And it's the same thing. The guy's just his main character, uh, a guy named Arliss Cutter, is just Captain America. I mean, it's it's not it's not dark. It's it's dark in that dark things happen. But I mean, this the, he's he's a superhero. So, you yes. know, you read it and at the end, everything worked out and everybody bad lost, everybody good won. And yeah, it was, it's good. That's, that's so, kind of how I, that's kind of how I feel about Jack Ryan and like Tom Clancy books where it's just like, you know, this is, it's, it's, he's, he's, he's not a real person. He's a, he's a superhero, really. He's just so morally righteous and upright. And I'm just like, this is just so boring. If it wasn't for all the high tech stuff, this would just be like the worst book in the world. Um, you so. know. Mark, he, he got contracted to write all the Jack Ryan books. So he writes them all now since Tom Clancy died. Oh, gosh. Wait, Mark Greeny? Mark, oh, Mark Greeny? Cameron. Oh, okay. All right. I thought, okay, maybe I'm, I'm misremembering something, but I knew, I thought there was a Mark that, like, I thought I had seen another Mark that was, like, contracted to do all the Tom Clancy books. And I was like, geez, man. Um, maybe I was getting confused about something, but yeah, okay, wow. Um, yeah. So, Next question forward from that is what made you decide to write and publish? Um, so I, I, it, I, I loved reading my entire life. Uh, I never, I never had uh, an English teacher or anybody like that really encouraged me to write. So I never, I never wrote anything uh, creative until I think 2016. Um, so my entire life, I never wrote a story until 2016, but I, I love books. So Growing up, I read uh, I read a ton, just like everybody. I read The Hatchet and all those things. But then I read this book, The Lords of Discipline. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to go to the Citadel. So I read The Lords of Discipline, and I went to the Citadel. And while I was there, I read that uh, we were soldiers once and young. I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to join the infantry. So I joined the infantry. Uh, I got out. Um, then I read uh, some Elmore Leonard. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I got I to gotta do my next career. So then I did my next career uh, and play Raylan Givens. And then in like 2016, I was like, what, like 35 years old. And I was like, I'm such an idiot. Every single one of these decisions, I read a book and then I want to do the thing in the book. <laughs> maybe, maybe I just like the book. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. So uh, I, I was like, yeah, maybe I'll try writing. Um, so I, I wrote a book called creating, I read a book called creating short fiction uh, and some, it's some instructional book on how to write short stories that a uh, uh, science fiction guy wrote. And it was, it was super good and I really enjoyed it. So I wrote a story and 
and I, I, I massaged the story for a long time. And then I wrote some more and I wrote some more. Uh, and then I just started submitting and, and, and eventually uh, things started getting picked up. And then a lot of things started getting picked up. And then now I have an agent and novel <laughs> and all those things. So oh, yeah, I just never so really exciting, never had any plan. It just kind of happened. Um, and the same thing happened with reviews. I, uh, I was, I was just trying to get some free books and I was like, Hey man, let me, let me get this. And this guy was like, well, you want to do a review? It's like, yeah, I'll do a review. Uh, and then one thing led to another and now people just send me books constantly. So yeah, it, it just kind of snowballed. I mean, if yeah, you're, if you're willing to read them, like that's not a bad way to get books. <laughs> No, I mean, you, you have to do like a book report afterwards. I don't, I don't really love that part to tell you the truth, but uh, I, I have a system. It takes me about 45 minutes now to knock one out. So wow. yeah, it's, it's not nice. too bad. I mean, I got, I got to read the book first. So the book part, <laughs> yeah. I enjoy that. The, 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 the payment, the, the free, the free book payment is the, the review. And that takes me a minute, but it's not too bad. Yeah, no, but I, the, the idea of just like you read a book and then you make a, a big life change is I'm like, that's, that's very, very relatable. Cause I feel like I've done certain things along that line as well, where it's just kind of like, I read something that's just like, I've got to do this. I read something. I got to do this. It's like the, my interest in military, like history and affairs kind of came from similar things where it's like, we were soldiers once and young, like that book has been on my shelf for a very, very long time. My, my dad obsessed about um, Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore. Um, so like it's, it's been on my shelf for a very long time. Um, but I, but also like, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention that you actually did get an agent recently when, um, when that came through like a couple of weeks ago, didn't it? Or yeah. Uh, an agent named uh, Nikki Turpolowski. She, she has a very, very Polish last name. Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it, I just did a slush pile submission and, and, you know, I, I, I cut through the slush pile. It took like probably seven months, but yeah. Um, it, it took a long time. It took a few years and a, a few books, but yeah, yeah, I finally picked up a novel. Uh, I picked up an agent, so that's exciting. Um, she represents Super a couple exciting. pretty big names. She represents an alien, Kimberly Beal, uh, who's got a bestseller, seems like, every week. And she represents some really cool authors, so I'm super excited. Yeah, looking forward, to, awesome. see, looking forward to seeing what happens next, yeah. Yeah, so talk to us about a day in the life because you have so much going on between your own projects i'm sure you're going to be working on edits with the with your agent soon and things like that and uh all the things with shotgun honey and stuff so how do you divide your time between projects and stay motivated if something gets stuck well if anybody from work is watching this i never do anything after 8 30 before 5 p.m from 8 30 to 5 i am 100 percent Nose of the 100%. grindstone, right here. Uh, so, no, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that my wife uh, supports supports all my all my different stuff. So she she helps a lot with 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 family stuff and and and, and take care of my my little girl. Um, and then I'm I'm very I have a, a task list and I try to get uh, the tasks done as soon as they come in. Uh, I maintain a, 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 a literally just a running list of, oh, I have to write this scene. Oh, I have to answer this email. Oh, I have to take care of, you know, signing up my daughter for this thing. I have to pay this bill. So my entire life is super, super regimented. Um, and it, it just doesn't stop. Uh, the way I, I carve out time is I don't, it's, especially during lunch, I, I, you, lunch is my main writing time. 
Uh, I eat protein bars. I keep them in my little cabinet right over there. And I, uh, I skip lunch and I eat protein bars and I close my door and I can usually get like 30 minutes done uh, with that. Um, and then I edit kind of piecemeal here and there. I find that with editing, uh, I write off a plot. So my overall structure is taken care of usually before the book is written. Uh, I have, a, I have a, a, a strong plot, strong outline and strong character biographies. Um, so when I edit, my editing is more uh, line level, getting the, the, the words to flow in a way that I like. So I'm able to edit kind of piecemeal, you know, 10 minutes here, five minutes there, a sentence here, a paragraph there. So uh, that's, that's how I do it. I, I, I plot in big chunks. I write off the plot and off the character biographies. And then I edit piecemeal here and there. Sounds about right. That makes sense. Also, like, good on, good on you for figuring out the multitasking thing outside of work hours, obviously. Outside. Yeah. Um, when you're working with an editor or editors, what sort of style do you prefer when someone is examining your work? And when you're looking at someone else's work, what is your usual kind of pattern? So uh, when, when I, when I'm looking at somebody else's work, um, as far as the actual logistics of it, I don't like uh, the, the, the editor comments in, in Microsoft Word. Um, I print off their stuff and I have a red pen and I, and I write notes. I'll usually kind of make them, I'll, I'll shrink the text and make the margins larger and I'll double space it or two and a half space it. And then I'll make notes all over the thing. Um, so that, that's how I do it. And I always try to, I always try to incorporate a lot of like, hey, I love this line. Hey, this was awesome. Because even if I if I hate something, I don't want to just like beat the person down, you know. Uh, there's enough reasons out there not to write. People don't need people don't need to be discouraged and told not to write. It's already hard enough. So yeah, absolutely. I, I always try to like, hey, this line's awesome. Love this scene, love this character, love this name, love this word choice. Um and then, you know, I'll, I'll just make my make my notes um, as to what I like and I dislike. Uh, and then as far as how I like to receive edits, seems like I don't have a choice. It seems like everybody else likes to use the Microsoft editor. So I, I just put up with that. Um, I don't really care about uh, proofread. I'm not I'm not proud. So I like them to just just mark it up like crazy and just destroy the thing. And, and tell me what they like and they don't like. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times I'll just ignore what they say anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> At least you're like aware enough about that. That's great. Yeah, it, it, even if I think they're right, I'll still be like, yeah, they're probably right, but I don't care, I'm not changing it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know you may, I know you may have like a better insight into what can make this a much better story, but kick rocks, we, I, I, I don't need that right now. My story, my story. <laughs> yeah, it's mine. It's not yours. Go write your own book. <laughs> Go write your own damn story. Why don't you? <laughs> I, I feel like that sometimes, um, you know, pe people will like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I really think you should move the order around and you should change this character from male to female and you should change the location and then you should change like the inciting event. I'm like, well, that's just a different story. No, I'm sorry. So, Did you want me to like rewrite a different book? That can be the next book. Thought. Now, with that said, with my agent, because she's going to be sending my stuff to, to big publishers, she could tell me to make somebody green, and I'm going to do that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it also depends on who's editing. If it's like, if it's like Mark, who you've already interviewed, be like, go fuck yourself. 
but <laughs> if it's my agent, I'll be like, yes, yes, ma'am. Is there anything else you'd like me to change? Question mark. <laughs> Respectfully, J.B. Stevens. So bestow your wisdom onto me, please. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends on. I guess it depends on who's doing the edits. So yeah. Yeah. That's that's an that's an entirely valid point because I know Kirsten edits some of my stuff, and there are also some times where I'm just kind of like, please no. don't, please don't. Um, and then it's, some people some people could probably write on it and be like, yeah, no, I can make that change. Like there was there was actually a story that I tried to write where I ended up killing someone who had the same name as my roommate, and when he found out about, it, he's like, the fuck, man, what what I ever do to you? And after a while, I just changed the name. I was just like, that's, that's fine. That's totally valid. I don't, I don't need to kill this person off. Um, yeah, but I'm also the person who will, like, in the margins of your stories, just in all caps, be like, what the fuck, man? Yes, <laughs> you, you have done that. You don't need to take my comment seriously. Yes, you have done that. You have, you have definitely said, what the fuck, man? What is wrong with you? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah, I understand. But, you know, I do the same thing. I, I use, I, for my character bio, I like to have character bios, but I always use real people for my life. So I use their real name in the story, uh, and then I do the Control R replace in Microsoft Word, and then I replace their name with something else. I had a moment where um, in my book, there's a character who's just, and they're all assholes, but this one was a particular asshole, ended up dating a guy with the same name, and he refused to read it. I was like, "Will you? Pl- I would love your thoughts on this. Please read it. He refused. And there was a moment where I was like, I'm not going to change this. Like it's been, that's been the name for a decade and this isn't, nope, stay in that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've had the book for a decade. How long do you have the guy? I think, I think the book has precedent. The, the book, a lot longer, a <laughs> lot longer than the guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, now if you married him, maybe, maybe then, uh, maybe then you need to change it. But unless you guys get married, no, it's your book. See, it, it goes back to what we were saying before. Yeah. The editor depends on whether or not you accept the edits. So, <laughs> yeah, with a husband, you know, yes. With a boyfriend you've been dating for two weeks, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is why I'm always very careful about the the women I name in my stories and what I and what qualities I give them because you never know. I'm just going to end up dating. I've I actually. I named a character Cecilia in one draft and I ended up dating someone who had a name Cecilia. And I was just kind of like, I'm going to wait until I change that. I'm, I'm going to hold on to that for a second. <laughs> well, I feel like what's, there's, there's got to be a point, right? Where you, there's only so many generic names that you can use. Eventually you will date a John, a Sam, well, as a girl, as a heterosexual. I was going to say, don't make any assumptions John, about me. I for, do what I want, women, damn it. <laughs> for women, for uh, women's names, it could be like, I don't know, Mary, Maria, Stephanie, whatever. You're eventually going to run into one of those people, right? Like you're going to find someone with those names if you are working in this long enough and just like, I don't know, just don't take it personally, I guess. Valid point. Oh, 100%. Valid point. Um, so <laughs> on that note, so you've been published, uh, JB, you've had a successful career so far. You're on track for a lot more success. It looks like, um, we both want to be where you are yeah. now. Um, so as you're looking at your lit- at the literary world and your influences, as you continue to gain notoriety, who would you want your work to be compared to, or who are kind of the people that you've looked at and seen and said, I want to like, I, I want like you, you would really admire in their in their writing and you want to kind of like work some of their influences in. um for, for for the writing joe lansdale's crime fiction all day like he's so good um 
as far as the career, gosh, um, you know, Sean Cosby's uh, writing is amazing, but his career is super cool because he kept on plugging and he's super, super nice to like all of us lower level authors, like he'll like send me messages like, hey, congrats, or, you know, hey, that's super cool. Like, he's just like a super nice guy and kind of just like plugging the people that are, are below him. Um, so, and now he has a bunch of New York Times bestsellers. So as far as writing, Joe Lansdale, uh, as far as career, Sean Cosby. Essay Cosby, yeah. excuse me. Yeah, no, I've, I've I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Sean on a couple of occasions. And the first time I met him, I was just blown away by the way that he wrote. The second time, he recognized me and actually like found out, like realized that I had a book and he offered to, he offered to like introduce me to an agent at a big writer's convention that was coming up. This was back in like 2020. So like we, before COVID happened and we thought like the world was going to keep going on. So he offered to like from me up to an agent. I was just kind of like, you, you've met me twice. Like, how can you be this nice? Like how? Um, so he's just an absolutely phenomenal guy. So I can definitely understand that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And now he has New York Times bestsellers. So yeah, <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Wouldn't we all? What a life. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. So, uh, I believe you have a section of a therapeutic death that you want to read for us. All right. Let's see. Never be ready. All right. Oh, 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 okay. Oh, th this one. No, nah, I don't know if we're going to read that. I don't know if we're going to read that one. That was a little too vulgar. I, I, I want my mom to be able to watch this. It, it, yeah. It's, it's about, it's about the masturbation infinity loop with the guy who does math and he makes a, this is a true story. This is a true story that happened in my day job. So, so we're, we're going to a house and we get inside and we heard, we heard a bunch of noises. So we go up and we knock, uh, and then all the lights turn off. So we're like, this isn't, this isn't the smartest guy ever. So, uh, you know, we're like, Hey, we know you're in there. Warren, blah, blah, blah. So he won't come to the door. So we knock down the door. And then we, uh, we get a dog and we search the house. We can't find anything. Well, we get to the basement. And in the basement, there's a video uh, on a VCR. And the VCR is playing on one of those old tube TVs. So we come around and we're, we clear the basement. Everything's safe. Uh, and then we look at the video. And the video is a guy in a scream, a scream mask from the, the movie. Uh, and then he has an ACDC shirt that's cut off at the stomach. And then he has uh, uh, Zubaz, the the weightlifting, the the tiger stripe Zubaz weightlifting pants, yeah. but they're they're cut out, uh, they're cut out in the crotch. <laughs> so, so then uh, it's like there, there's the TV, and then in front of the TV there's a recliner, and on the recliner next to the recliner there's a end table, and on the end table there's a meth pipe and there's a jar of Vaseline, <laughs> and the meth pipe's still warm. So, so. Uh, and there's a rag. So somebody had been pleasuring themselves uh, watching a video of this scream mask person pleasure themselves uh, and smoking meth. So the story's about to get way weirder. It gets way, way weirder. Um, Please tell me we can keep this in the episode. If you have to cut it, that's okay. But this is amazing. So then, so then we clear the house and we can't find the guy. But we know, I mean, the lights shut off. We know, we know that the guy is there. 
So we clear the house. So then we get a, a dog to come in and the dog searches and the dog starts alerting on, on a headboard. Um, so we pull the headboard and there's a hole in the wall. And so this guy had smoked so much meth. He was like, like this big around. So he Oof. fit in the drywall space behind the headboard. So, <laughs> so it gets funnier. So we, 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 he's, he's back there and we, we get in, we pull him out and then we get handcuffs on him and we're like, you know, talking to him about, about the under the reason we're there, we're talking about him. Um, so we're talking about the reason we were there. And then I look and he's wearing the ACDC shirt. So he'd been uh, physically pleasuring himself, watching a video of himself pleasuring himself. <laughs> oh my God. In the free mask while smoking meth, like right before we were there. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, if you have that much um, self. Uh, self love. Self love, shall we say? Yeah. Narciss narcissistic personality trait. I don't know, Ben. Like that's a that's a whole he vibe. I'm straight, but I can I can confidently say he was not an attractive man. Um, <laughs> so it had to be narcissism because I mean, if if he he was not the kind of guy that 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 gay men or straight women are going to go for. Um, he really really liked meth. He had no teeth. Um, yeah yeah so anyway so that's my Straight day job narcissism. yeah that's how my day job goes um, yeah. okay wow um holy shit fantastic yeah i i i had gosh i i wish i i'd have to get permission uh to like really go but man i wish i could tell some of the some of the other story there's so many just insane stories um that i can't really talk about sorry that is okay. We understand. Understandable, understandable uh, entirely. So, um, anyway, anyway, we got sidetracked. That was that was from a that was from a true story. Then that's the reason I could tell that story. That was from a true story that I'd written up and submitted to a, a magazine called Noir Nation. And before I submitted it, I got permission from our headquarters public affairs person to to submit it. And when I did it, when I wrote the story, I was like, he's gonna just laugh at me and tell me to go fuck myself. But he was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. You, you didn't make the organization look bad, and 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 you were very professional. You just said what a person did. And I was like, yeah, true. So anyway, um, yeah, that's 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 the one work story that I'm very comfortable telling y'all because it's uh, a true story that's been published and approved by our public affairs. And I call that uh, the infinity, the masturbation infinity loop, because you're you're masturbating, watching yourself masturbate. But you smoke meth, so you can just do it forever. <laughs> I don't know whether um, to say I love how fucked up humanity can be, or whether God should just pull the plug on us right now. Because right? <laughs> yes, to both of those things. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit! Oh um, yeah, man. Right. Let's see. Um, so, what, what kind of story you guys got? You guys want something funny? Or do you guys want something with, wait, wait no, it's a dark pod podcast. Uh, oh, I, I think I have one in here. Let me see. I have one in here about uh, the tooth fairy being a prostitute. Yes. Oh, amazing. Yes, I just Great. read that one, please. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see what page it's on. Hold on. Uh, 
is that in there? I don't know if that's in this collection or not. Uh, so that it's was in the, This Will Not End Well because I just read that one. And oh, that the was, Tooth Fairy Deserves Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tooth okay. Fairy Deserves Peace, which, oh my lord, that is like absolutely freaking hilarious. And one of the best ending lines I've seen in any short story. Um, yeah. I mean, now that, now that Nathan's amped this up, I think we gotta, we gotta do this one. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll read the, we'll read some of the two, because I think it's pretty short too. Yeah, it um, is. Deserves peace. So and there's no you know, time write... limit on this, so whatever. Okay, yeah, oh, good. All right, so I, like I said, I, I, I write a lot, and uh, I don't know if you guys keep up with the comedy sites, but this one was published in Slackjaw, which is a, which is a pretty big, a pretty big website, and I was pretty excited to be published there. <clears throat> so. Yeah, the, the 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 one I can't get in for comedy is McSweeney's, and the one I can't get in for crime is uh, Ellery Queen. Those are the two that I just can't crack. It's pissed me off. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, the Tooth Fairy deserves peace. Eliminate the teeth for cash trade by the Fairy Godmother. Uh, so the Fairy Godmother told me this story, and I dictated it. Uh, I wrote it down, and and I took I dictated down what she said. So these are her her words. I did clean and edit it a little bit. Would you provide an alcoholic whiskey? Would you give a sex addict porn? Would you give a drug user heroin? Of course you would not. You believe you are virtuous. However, if you've ever traded for your cash for chompers, you're complicit in the psychological destruction of the tooth fairy, and you're a piece of shit. It started 700 years ago at the mythical creature's holiday ball. I met a charming young man named Krampus. He had bows on his horns and nail polish on his hooves. We danced and laughed and carried on. He was delightful and vibrant. After a few too many sniffs of the old unicorn horn powder, Krampus talked his way into my enchanted forest. He said I was the first fairy godmother he'd ever been with. A few months later, my belly swelled and my wings ached. I took a test, a test with Dr. Sasquatch, the leading OBGYN for mythical creatures, and the test came back positive. I was pregnant. Krampus did the right thing and proposed. We married in the spring. The Easter Bunny officiated. The reception was in Santa's workshop. The elves are outstanding cooks and Rudolph is a competent DJ. Nine months later, I gave birth to my first Laporn, Annabelle, at North Pole General. She was a bundle of joy. A year, a year later, her sister was born, Tinker. She arrived. The stress of raising two magical fairy girls was significant. One Tuesday, Krampus told us he was going out for candy canes. He left his dentures behind and said, candy's no good for her teeth. Krampus never returned. Tinkerbell quickly accepted that daddy was gone. Annabelle did not. Annabelle treasured those dentures as the last memory of her father. After Krampus left, our little family was destitute. Fairy godmothering, which is like a career counselor but for mythical fictional beings, does not pay well. Fortunately, the Keebler elves gave us a room in their tree. The elves were kind but rowdy. Uh, they drank leprechaun libations often and had frequent balls with the local band of garden gnomes. Tinkerbell thrived. She studied public relations at Papa Smurf University. Go blue. After graduation, she moved to Never Neverland and found a job as the project manager for Peter Pan and the Lost Boys. Annabelle was not a robust student. She didn't get into Blue U. The elves tried to teach her cookie making, but it didn't take. Sitting at home, day after day, her affinity for Krampus's dentures evolved into a, evolved into a fixation. She convinced herself that if she were able to make a perfect set of candy cane-proof false teeth, Daddy would come home. A few months later, Annabelle discovered young humans' teeth fell out. She started going through garbage cans, looking for specks of ivory. After a few near arrests for trespassing, 
Her drug dealer introduced her to a desperate human mother who had nothing of value except for the baby's discarded teeth. Annabelle traded cash for those teeth. Amongst the homo sapiens, word spread of Annabelle's willingness to pay top dollar for teeth. Before long, she spent every night flying and buying. She spent every day stress testing her acquisitions against candy canes in her quest to make the perfect dentures to bring daddy home. What kind of schedule could a fairy, would, is that for a fairy to keep? When does she sleep? She can't, there's no time. How can an uneducated young fairy earn stacks of cash to buy these teeth? She can't, there's no time. This is when the meth and prostitution come into play. Annabelle went to visit Tinkerbell. Tink still worked for the Lost Boys. The boys were flush with stolen pirate gold. They lived in a frat house and they ran their hidden meth labs underground. They had all the illicit supplies Annabelle needed. What did Anna have that the boys desired? Her femininity. You see, Anna prostituted herself to these horrible young lost boys. My beautiful Anna took the darkest of dark paths. Daily, she traded her personal Shangri-La for meth and for cash. I've used the fairy phone network in an attempt to get her counseling. I've tried spells and I sprinkled, sprinkled pixie dust on her to help. None of it works. Annabelle, your tooth fairy humans, is spiling out of control. Every day, it's sex for meth, sex for money, meth for energy, cash for teeth, teeth for the lab. She lives a groundhog day of pain. Annabelle's life is a cyclical hell. Fairies and lost boys are both immortal. This pain is everlasting. Together, we can stop the suffering. Humans must end this horrible tradition of teeth under pillows. They must abolish the black market tooth trade. You may ask how I propose we do this. A lifetime of fairy godmothering has taught me that to solve a problem, you must attack the source. In this case, Krampus. His betrayal is the beginning. Krampus is the root. If Krampus is eliminated, Annabelle's pain will end because she knows daddy can't come home. To that end, I stole gold from the lost boys. I flipped this gold for cash. I then contacted Blackwater, the private military contractor. Through Blackwater, I hired a group of ex-Navy SEAL pipe hitters. I assigned them a single mission, take out Krampus with extreme prejudice. If Krampus is dead, Annabelle can heal. This Christmas, have your little ones misbehave. Draw Krampus out of his hidden lair. My seals are ready to fly at a moment's notice. If you locate Krampus, call me so we can shoot him in the face. So, um, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's for my free story collection. Um, it's not in my it's not in my it's not in my uh, it's not in my my book that's about to come out. My I think the comedy one in my book is about how uh, Waldo from Where's Waldo is a real person and he's been stalked for like 30 years and all he wants to do is be left alone but the guy that made where's waldo is like a paparazzi that just won't stop harassing him so waldo's gonna kill him um yeah well what else so, can he do really i know I, right but my, my favorite one which isn't in any of these it's gonna be in the next collection whoever publishes it uh it's about a group of mormon missionaries who decide to move to miami uh and take over the drug trade so that one's that one's one of my favorites uh, so, I think I think I've actually seen that one. I think for, like I think I've, I think I've seen that one published somewhere. Um, yeah, it was published by Points and Case, which is Second City. Uh, it's their website. That's so. that's it. Yeah, that's it. And I was just like, again, that's absolutely freaking hilarious. Um, because like one of the things that absolutely that that floors me about your work personally is that you 
really excel in combining like crime and comedic elements. Like these are things that most people normally wouldn't think um, like go together. And I'm and, like the Tooth Fairy deserves peace is one of those one that's like really reminds me of that. And then it's also the Naughty List from Shotgun Honey, which I I think ends with um, uh, uh, give present presence for good presence for good kids. Coal for the naughty. Don't fuck around. Stay frosty. Chris Kringle, um, <laughs> which it's it's so it's so on par. I think it was published like Christmas Eve or something like that from Shotgun Honey, and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, but like, how did you necessarily learn to balance like those two elements? Was it something that you kind of that kind of came naturally? Or was it something you picked up from the fact that human beings are sometimes incredibly stupid creatures? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, so with, with with crime and with uh, and with with literary stuff and with war, I read a ton. I, I read an absolute ton. Um, with comedy, I've read a lot of books like Carl Hyacin and like uh, uh, I can't remember that dude's name. I'm reading one right now. Hold on. Ah, Dave Barry. This is this in my book. So I, I I read a bunch of comedy and um, I read a bunch of McSweeney's and I read a bunch of stuff and and I didn't read any any craft books on comedy. I just like was like I'm just gonna make it more ridiculous and more ridiculous and more ridiculous. Um, and then I just took it as 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 literally as tried to just take it as ridiculous as I can while being super super violent. And then it just kind of it just kind of started working out. Um. I, I had no plans to be a poet or a comedy writer. Uh, they both just kind of happened organically. Uh, crime, I, I aggressively have pursued that. But comedy and poetry is just a random thing. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, can you talk to us a little bit about the book that um, you just got representation for? Like, kind of, how did you find that that was just, like, maybe that was different in some way than other books you've tried to get representation for? Like, have you found that your voice has grown? Like, kind of what genre was it? How did you find that whole process? So it's, it's the, it's the first, every, <laughs> I feel, so everything I've ever written, uh, I think everything I've ever written has been published. Um, and I know that's rare. Uh, but yeah, this was the first novel I wrote. Um, so I wrote it and I massaged it and I wrote it and I massaged it and uh, I sent it around and uh, I entered in that Claymore contest because a, a writer named uh, Russell Wilson, super nice to me, he recommended it and I did that, but then uh, I didn't win. So I didn't go to the little the little uh, Killer Nashville event. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, I got, it got finalists in this contest. It's probably acceptably good. Uh, but then I just kept on, kept on massaging it, kept on editing it and then uh, uh, I, I submitted it and, and got, got picked up by an agent. I mean, I, I, I say that I submitted it to a lot of agents. I, I didn't just like send it in and got picked up. I submitted it to probably like, I don't know, probably 65, 70 agents. Um, but it got picked up and, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no secret to it. I submitted through the slush pile and, and I, I, I fought my way through the slush pile. Um, yeah, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a Southern, uh, crime thing. Uh, I don't know if you've if you've read another shotgun horror story. I have a shotgun honey story called uh, the Fighting Squid. I don't know if either of you've read that. It's about uh, two brothers and one brother uh, gets in a fight with a squid at the aquarium, and then he kidnaps the squid, and then uh, it's endangered. I think, and then he he runs and he's on a uh, he's on a, a mini bike and he gets caught. He goes to his brother's house. And then he goes to jail for a long time. 
Um, but it's those characters. Uh, so I wrote a novel uh, with those two characters and one of them's uh, accused of murder and one of them goes to jail for murder. And uh, it's the it's the other brother trying to get him out of jail for murder. So and then that those characters are like, I mean, I'd say they're more than ninety percent true. Uh, they they they're it, they're it's just a combination of my brothers, um, and then the, <laughs> the main character is just me. So yeah, it's it's and when when I say I use real people for the uh, for for my uh, for my my stuff, um, I'm fortunate in that I. I I know some interesting people. So trying to find a picture of my brother here. Um, if, if you've read that squid story. Uh, yeah, I actually, I actually read it. Just, I actually read it just before we started the interview. So, okay. Yeah. So let's see, let's see if we can find a picture of my brother. Um, so yeah, my, my brother is, is the main guy in the squid story and okay, here, here we go. This, this is, this is my brother. He's, he's 39 and this is him. He bought Heelys for himself for Christmas. <laughs> so th this is his this is his his New Year's where he bought Heelys and some kind of sparkly thing, and that's him oh, in his amazing. Uh, in his in, and he lives on the side of a mountain in North Carolina. So that's uh, him. I was trying to find the picture of him the the mini bike scene where he runs from the cops on the yep. mini bike. Uh, that's that's um, I mean that's a hundred percent of a true thing uh he, he hasn't ran from the cops on a mini bike but he's he's all about his mini bike life um let's see if i can find a picture of him with the mini bike i guess i can't but yeah, yeah um so yeah so he's he's a real person he's my brother uh and then the main character is uh, a guy that got kicked out of the agency i worked for um, and that was a strategic choice because if he doesn't work for the agency, then there's a lot more uh, liberties I can take with his behavior without having to get without having to get public affairs to clear it. Uh, so if he works for the agency, my headquarters public affairs would be like, no, you can't do this. But because he got fired for being stupid, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't care. Um, <laughs> Make him look so, like an idiot. Make him look like an idiot. It makes us look better in the long run. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. But I, I talk about my agency. Another interesting thing I have to mention is uh, because of my day job, I get a bunch of calls from authors asking about different things because they write books about it. Um, so I was in, I, like I said, I was in that the last, uh, the last Jack, Tom Ryan, Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan book. I was in that book. He made me a code name. Um, oh, wow. And then I, I think Chris Haughty is putting me in his next book. I don't know if he's putting me or if he's putting one of my characters in his book, but he said he is. Uh, and then uh, Karen Slaughter, she has me in the acknowledgements for one of her next ones. Damn, nice. So yeah, everybody just keeps calling me. So <laughs> yeah. What a life. What a it's, life. It's, it's wild. Yeah, Karen Slaughter was just random. They she, she showed up. She called headquarters and was like, oh, I want to interview people. And they were like, oh, yeah, where do you live? She said Atlanta. So they're like, yeah, we'll send you to, to Atlanta. So they sent her to Atlanta. And then... The secretary calls like, yeah, somebody named Karen Slaughter's here. I was like, what? Because <laughs> I, I keep my two, I keep my writing and my my work uh, separate. Um, yep. And she's like, yeah, Karen Slaughter. I think she's like a writer or something. And I was like, all excited, like, why is she here? Like, I, I don't know, headquarters center here. So she came in and and we did all these interviews and I had to have my like my professional personality, um, which is different than my real personality. 
so I had my professional personality and I was, you know, yes, ma'am, like very formal. And then uh, after everything finished and I was taking her out of the building because the building's super secure, uh, we're in the elevator. I was like, oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, if, if you want to like, you know, uh, this is who I am, but this is also who I am. And she's, you know, she was super, oh, that's so cool. Send me some of your stuff. And, you know, she said, oh, I'll introduce you to everybody in the next conference. And she was super, super nice. But uh, yeah, it's neat because I, I, people come and ask me questions all the time and I get to help them. So I like that a lot. That's an awesome part of the gig. Like that is, I mean, it, it's good that people want to like ask you and like make sure that things are accurate, but like, that's still like, that's a pretty cool gig to have. I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly jealous because I, I love some of Karen Slaughter's work. She's also the only person, she's the first person I've met who's had a epigraph for one of her novels actually be from uh, Flannery O'Connor, which just already stole my heart. Um, well, she made one little slight error that really ticked me off, but it was so, it was so minor that I didn't really care. Um, but yeah, I didn't it, really care, but I'm still going to talk about it because it still annoyed me. So like this is like this is one of those things that like that like gets under my skin a little bit, but like the book the it was um, in the Good Daughter, which was a fantastic book, absolutely fantastic book. The only thing that I saw that aggravated me with it was at one point she quotes she quotes Flannery O'Connor from a letter that she wrote. And attributes it to the mother of the main character and then says, oh, yeah, like I forgot that mom had that book of essays that uh, O'Connor wrote. And in my head, I was just like, it's not a book of essays. It was a book of her letters. Um, it was like the habit of being or something like that, which I actually have. And I'm like, I, I again, I love Flannery O'Connor. So, of course, I read her letters. Um, so, like, that was the only thing that I disliked about that book. But the book itself was absolutely fantastic. So, like, I'm jealous you met her. Um, yeah, no, sorry, I, I can I, she she emails me and asks me questions and, and we we chat. She's super nice, so I'm going to tell her that you're talking shit. <laughs> Again, what a life! What a life you mean. She'll like she'll she'll be like just like who the hell is Nate Turner? Like who the fuck is that? Why should I care? I don't, I don't want to exaggerate. I want to be very honest. Like I text her because I think she's super cool, and I'm sure she's like, okay, yeah, send. Like I want to I want to be like BFFs, and she's like polite. So. <laughs> It's, it's, I want to be clear. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating. She's, she's nice as can be to me. And, and she's super, she answers all my, my stupid author questions and she's, she's super, super nice. And, and, and yeah, I've been, I'm super, super glad that I was able to meet her. So wow. yeah, that's, that's absolutely that's wonderful. So, cool. um, so kind of one of the other, kind of one of the other questions I have is, um, so I remember, so I've read like a fair chunk of the, of your poetry as well. Um, the way you write was the way you write is incredibly succinct and yet still incredibly emotive. Um, I remember in one of the books that you, one of the books you wrote, uh, it reminded me a lot of how Phil Cly um, kind of writes. Like redeployment was like one of the first, like a, a book that made a big impact on me. Uh, redeployment. Um, I found that you did what he was trying to do. Like you did in thirty pages what he took three hundred to do. So kind of one of the things I wanted to ask is in your poetry, typically when you're talking about um, war, veterans affairs, or um, those or those aspects, what's some of the, like, what's kind of like the key thing you always want to get across? Like, what's the thing that really motivates you to write um, things like that? So the, the war poetry specifically, 
Um, uh, so there, there's a website called The Daily Drunk, and we know they do all kinds. Of, yeah, they do all kinds of funny comedy stuff. And so they were doing something, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna write a poem about about uh, uh, the Fast and the Furious," and that was the first poetry I ever wrote. So I wrote that, and uh, and and he published it, and and I had a lot of fun with it. So I wrote more and more stupid comedy poetry. And then I was I was super upset uh, about somebody that killed themselves after the war, one of my buddies. So I was like, oh, God, I got to get this out of me. So I was like, all right, I've been I've been writing all this crime fiction and I've been writing all this comedy poetry because just to make myself laugh, because if you've ever read it, it's so stupid. Mm -hmm. um, but my, my, one of my the, the lead poem in my, my comedy poetry book is about a Bigfoot and Yeti are gay. And they want to get a 90 day fiance and they meet on they meet on Grindr and because Bigfoot lives in Washington state and Yeti lives in Nepal or China. And uh, so they're trying to get married and get a 90 day fiance. Um, so anyway, they're both dudes. So anyway, um, so that's where my poetry started. Uh, so I was I was super upset about somebody killing themselves one day. And I was like, oh, my God, I just got to get this out of me. It was like poison. So then I, I wrote this wrote this poem and and I was super upset and I got it all out uh, and then I wrote a couple more and then I was like I don't even know if I want anybody to see these but then I was like I'm gonna write them all because I'll let my daughter read them one day so if I'm ever like pissy she'll understand why um, so I, I I I wrote a bunch and then uh, um. I don't know. I got in a fight with the publisher, which is a ridiculous story. I'll tell that story too. So uh, a, a publisher, I was talking to a guy, he's like, yeah, submit something. So I, I submitted a collection and they accepted it. And, uh, but really with, with, with my, my crime fiction, um, I'm trying to, to get across an emotion and I'm trying to get across something entertaining with my comedy. I'm just trying to get across entertainment uh, with the war poetry. I'm just trying to get like these, these strong emotions out of me so that I can kind of move on. It's similar to my, my checklist. Uh, I have a checklist where, you know, all the stuff I have to get done. And if it's on the checklist, then it's not just circling in my mind. Uh, with the poetry, I can get it out. I can get it on the page and then it's just, it's out of me. And then I can just not have to deal with it. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's very succinct. It's almost um, like yeah. cathartic in a way, right? Like if you're mm -hmm. just going for it, like it's what, it, like in that kind of one and done mentality of like, I've written it, it's out of my head. I've written it, it's out of my head versus something longer where you might want to like obsess over it to a certain extent when you're looking at editing and different drafts and different drafts. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And once it's out of my head, if it starts coming back in, I can be like, no, 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 that's, I, I, I wrote that down, that's done. And then I can move on. So it's been, it's been a big help for me uh, just to get over uh, negative negative memories or whatever uh, understood. understood i heard one guy call called war memories spicy nostalgia so <laughs> uh, a guy named kyle siebel he's a writer but yeah he calls it spicy nostalgia so that's that's how i deal with my spicy nostalgia uh i write i write weird poetry um but no one of the so one of the other questions i've got at least that kind of came off the top of my head was because we mentioned a lot of your reviewer work um how do you feel how do you think that kind of allows you to kind of dissect your own work um 
like because as a reviewer like you mentioned that you read a lot more like you, you have a lot of stuff that's sent to you and you have kind of a process for um getting the the reviews out does your role as a reviewer does that give you a little bit of an extra tool in your toolbox to help dissect your own work and kind of improve it or massage it um i'd say yes in in one respect and no in another the actual what what, what the, re the reviewing has taught me is that there's a lot of uh of stuff that it it's well written but it's just i just don't enjoy it and I don't even spend time with it. If I, if I don't like it after a few pages, I don't write bad reviews. Um, Joyce Carol Oates, I think, it was, I think it was Joyce Carol Oates. She said, Americans don't need reasons to not read a book. So I don't write bad reviews. If I don't like a book, I just shut up about it. Um, but it, it shows me what, it shows me a lot of what at least three years ago, uh, acquiring editors and agents were liking. Um, so I see what maybe what, what would sell better, what, what, the industry seems to like more what comes to me is what's been filtered through publicists and through editors so that's not always what wins prestigious awards so maybe that isn't what is looked upon as favorably by like uh critics as opposed to reviewers so it, it teaches me i think what is popular with with marketers and what's popular with companies uh it doesn't necessarily teach me what's what's good as far as writing goes that's fair yeah. I did see um, a post the other day or someone basically saying, I will not, if I don't like an indie book, I just won't review it. I won't say anything about it, but I refuse to give a one-star review to an indie book because that's so much more harmful than me giving a one-star review to a New York Times book that is on the New York Times bestseller list for no reason, right? I don't There's even, I don't even give bad reviews to, to books on the New York Times bestseller list I don't like, unless I don't like the person. Um, if I don't like the person and I don't like the book, maybe I'll do a bad review, but like there's, there's a lot of books that are, are New York times bestsellers that, that have been sent to me. And, and I know they're going to be New York times bestsellers and I read it and I don't like it. And I'm like, ah, who, who am I to, 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 to shit on this? So I don't, um, because even, process... even, Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, how does that process work? So say you get a, arc copy right of a of a book and you're like i don't like this i don't want to do this how does that response usually go like how does that process usually work where you're just like i'm not i'm not gonna do this i'm not gonna shit on this book or sing praises i don't actually believe in so i used to send an email like hey this isn't for me or hey no now i just don't say anything and and nobody's asked me once about it um and the same publicists still send me books so I don't know. I just, I just say nothing. <laughs> like they Maybe didn't ask me for, take it. yeah, they didn't ask me for edits and they didn't ask me for my opinion. They asked me for a review. And so I guess they're like, well, I guess I'm not getting a review. <laughs> That's the end of that. <laughs> Sunk cost at that point. You're just like, yeah, okay. I'm not, I'm not an, I'm not a critic. Uh, I think critics are important, but I'm not a critic. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a reviewer and I'm proud of that. So it's, yeah. it's a different role. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, the silence is the silence is answer enough, I guess. Um, yeah. Oh, so I'm trying to think if there's any other any other questions that really come to the top of my head. Um, I got nothing else. I got nothing else uh, in terms of like any questions that are on top of my head. Kirsten, do you have anything? 
No, I was going to say before we sign off, though, can you just for our listeners give a rundown of everything you've got that's coming out in the near future or like projects that you're working on so we know what to keep an eye out for? Um, well, the big one is is Therapeutic Death from Shotgun Honey, uh, February 2022 release, um, depending on when you guys are listening to this in the future. Uh, there, That's out. Um, go to my website, uh, jb-stevens.com. Uh, jb-stevens.com i have a i have a free giveaway book uh so as as a small smaller time author for now at least uh i i have that as kind of like an introduction to my writing so that people can can see if they like my writing or not because if somebody doesn't like my writing i don't want them to buy my books it's a waste of money so yeah go to my website you'll, you'll get a free book i had like a professional cover made by a, a guy named craig turleson who's a super nice guy uh, and then it's formatted and it's, it, it's a real book um, and it's free. So go there and read it and you download it. You have to give me your email address. And then if you don't like it, you go off my list. If you do like it, you stay on my list. And I tell you when stuff comes out. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's some, if you want to keep up with my writing, just go download that book and, 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 uh, and you'll stay on my list. So anyway, I have that thing coming out in February. Um, I should have edits this week for my agent. So We'll see how that goes with uh, with publishing. Um, hopefully, with a big publisher, fingers crossed. Uh, I, I have one. Yeah, thank you. I have one anthology that I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to be in this year. Uh, that Michelle Lee Garrett is is running. Um, I haven't been subbing any fiction for the past couple. I don't know, two or three months because I've been writing longer stuff. I have a bunch of stories sitting in my sitting in my folder that I haven't subbed anywhere. Uh, I have a lot of reviews coming out always with either criminal element or mystery tribune. Um, my next review is I got one for a Don Winslow book coming pretty soon. Uh, I have one for that new CJ box book, CJ box book I recommended. So yeah, there's always reviews coming out, but yeah, for me, just go to my website, download my book. And if you like my writing, keep up with it. And if you don't shut up. Go kick rocks. <laughs> because because that's the same thing I do for all the other writers. When I don't like their books, I shut up. So <laughs> yeah, if you like my stuff, tell everybody. If you don't like my stuff, shut your mouth. Keep it to um, yourself. Keep it to yourself, pretty please. Yeah. Yeah. Tell oh, no basic. one. So <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's really it. So oh, uh. fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us and cheering up our Monday evening. This has been <laughs> so great yeah so anyway I'm, I'm glad i got to introduce you to the masturbation infinity loop um <laughs> don't smoke meth it's bad and uh yeah i think that's all i have okay all right <laughs> what a way to sign off amazing fantastic i can i just say i want to say uh thanks to my wife and daughter for supporting me uh they're the best and my mom she was a, a, a newspaper reporter when I was growing up. So thank you to, for, to her for setting the example as far as writing. So I have to say thank you to the, those three people. Excellent. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, everyone else in the meantime, please uh, like, comment, subscribe. Leave us on your uh, uh, preferred podcast streaming service of choice. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Um, share with all of your friends. Uh, we'll link in the show notes to... Uh, jb's website as well as his twitter account and in the meantime please always remember to look beneath the surface bye everybody Thanks.